Hi, Ryan. Hello, Rachel. How you doing? <sighs> Just a big sigh. It's... We'll, we'll get into it, I guess, during the entire discussion, but uh, complicated feelings. Feelings that I've had for a very long time when it comes to space above and beyond, and now you understand what that is like. I remember back in the early days of this podcast how I would uh, expound upon what this sensation was like, and you gave me a, a kind of blank-stared look of, yeah, 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 I, I know what it is. I mean, you gave me this look of, yeah, I, I've enjoyed shows that have been cancelled too, right? And, uh, well, we'll get into it. How are you doing overall? I don't want to talk about it. Thank you so much for listening, joining us along our journey I, I of space. Episode, oh, just not about how I'm feeling. Yeah, feelings are difficult. Semperfy. <sighs> yeah, not yeah. okay. We are not okay. We are not okay, but we are yum yum because we are the yum yum podcast, the only podcast that has yum yum energy. We're the only one. Where does yum yum come from? From Star Trek Discovery, a series that we have talked about. It's an infamous moment. We named ourselves after it to forever commemorate. What a pivotal turn in modern TV writing that was. And we are going through episodes of science fiction television, and we are looking at space above and beyond. We have been looking at space above and beyond. This is a rewatch for myself, and this is a first time viewing for you, Rachel. Yes. And we have made it to the very end, the final episode of this cancelled television series, a Fox joint, and boy, did I feel it in this. Uh, damn you, Fox. Uh, uh, but Rachel, could you please give us all the DVD description of episode 23? What's the title of this? Tell our mums we done our best. Hmm. When peace talks on the Saratoga go awry, the 58th flies one last Dangerous mission in order to save POWs trapped in a trans in transport carriers, crippled by the enemy. I asked you at the end of our last discussion to go over some of the things you thought were going to be here and some of the things that you wanted to be in this last episode. And I don't want to necessarily go over what you did or didn't get right, but I want to know from you, just straight up, were you satisfied? Yes. It's one of those endings where I wish that it didn't end so soon, but the ending that we did get felt right, but it also had opportunities to potentially come back. Yes, it does. There's a very apt line of dialogue that describes a lot of this, which is from McQueen, it's either a beginning or an end. A very meta line of dialogue, too. Yeah. You can tell from the last several episodes that there's this impending dread and doom, and not just because of this is the tone of the show, but you do get that sense that the people creating this have that within themselves. And 
Uh, I think it's actually a strength of the episode because for myself, my history with this is obviously an emotional one. It's it's a gut punch of an ending because they ended on such a high note and you know that there's never going to be any more. Mm. But not only that, there is this overt sense of bitterness, sadness, sorrow within the text of yeah. this and you know it's not just because these are the characters losing things but it's because these are the writers these are the actors these are the directors and the producers and everyone working on this is losing being able to produce more of this series that you can tell became deeply personal for yeah. them and so it moves beyond just being a, oh no, a cancelled series with a cliffhanger ending or an ending that leaves some things undone. But instead, it, you, you look at it, at least I do, as this reflective piece of art in which it's a creative team having to struggle to say goodbye to something when they didn't want to. I understand what you're saying, sir. Even with an AI, I get a sense of the enemy. But as I look at that thing, all I get is an odd feeling that this is either a beginning or an end. We kick off this with a previously on, since this is a second part of a two-part story, but it already derails because... It starts to glitch and static out, and then it is interrupted by, hey, it's it's the, the head of the UN. She's back. Hayden. Yeah. She came back. She's here to give an address. And I really loved not only seeing her again, but this actress gives a fantastic performance. I love this actress. I really loved her in Desperate Housewives. But... One of the things that I thought was really brilliant is we didn't know how much time had passed since yeah. the yeah. end of the last episode and the beginning of this one. So her it saying this her saying this makes you think, "Oh, we've jumped ahead. Oh, we we we've, we've we've gone somewhere because she's making these declarative statements about peace and unity and how we can lay down our arms and she's giving a very uh impassioned dialogue to the rest of earth and to us the audience and last episode we had a like month long skips at different points and then what makes it pitch perfect is we cut from her to the admirals and the generals and so on getting annoyed yeah, at her like, because told her not to do this and you realize not much of any time has passed since the end of the previous, and that she is preemptively making this and forcing them into a corner. Yep. And 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 I, even though that's she, all she she's gets being to do, political and, about it. I I if the series got to continue, I really would have loved to see them do more political stuff like that because she's not even in the episode and she's already been doing some wheeling and dealing that's uh, forcing the hand of the military and our characters. And I just salivated over that greatly. I mean, how did you feel knowing that this is the end of it all, but just to see that familiar face again and that strand be brought back because also oh, yeah. Aerotech is here and she's a part of that as well. Yes, 
Yes, she is. She's very much linked. And it sort of confirms, in a way, that finding out that the Chigs are also from Earth was the reason that she left. It's, uh, it, there's a, we've got so much to cover, Rachel. With the Chig peace talks, d- did you believe it? And if so, for how long? Like, did you genuinely believe that they wanted to negotiate with us? Because for a large portion of the episode, it seems it, and that it's us that's fucking it up. Uh, Yeah, yeah. I thought that it was somewhat genuine. My thinking was that the act of compassion change their minds which act of compassion the one on the moon yeah L- letting the the chick leave leave is that what you still walk away with um i don't know i don't know if i still believe that or if it's the intelligence because i can't tell how planned the like the whole thing was you can't read his eyes yeah <laughs> they're dark black mm. they're not like a dog's eyes where you can tell if they're going to bite you <laughs> i feel like they very much wanted to kill the ceo of aerotech that's why they called him yeah i think that that was definitely planned yeah, I have a hard but time reading it. I'm like, of... I don't know, like, cause it's just, just the way that the chick responds to and sort of baits him to come close enough to the glass. But he also seemed freaked out by the guy coming close mm. to him. There's, there's alienness there. Mm. With the chick, there was so many moments where they showed these gestures of friendship. Hey, I'll give you these codes so you can call these attack ships away from you. And they, they, they had these deliberate moves. But when we do hear about how when our group discovers that the these are the chigs and the chigs are the aliens they met the alien they met down on the planet but we also know their me- track history with using decoys and like not playing by the rules exactly right and so when shane comes in and says well they know what our attack is they know that we were on that moon they know that we were going to make a big offensive so they're playing us. I really liked that uh, kink in the story, and it gave consequences to the actions of the 58th from the previous. And as soon as Aerotech is called in, they specifically ask for this one guy from Aerotech, there is a question mark put on the legitimacy of the peace talks. As you say, there's there's this air of, do they want to kill this guy? But I, I don't even think they wanted to kill him. I think they wanted... Acknowledgement. They, I think they wanted superiority. Mm. I think they wanted to vent. I think they wanted to make it clear that we didn't start this war. You started this war. Yeah. We've done nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. You've done everything wrong. Because that is a... A strong attitude we get from the Chig in the yeah. episode, and there's there's a definite uh, 
we are better than you. You should We're stay in your lane. Evolved. We're more evolved. We've been around longer, and uh, your home is our home. Yeah, and you aren't the top dogs in the universe. You're not alone. I love the actor Richard Fancy, who plays the uh, head of Aerotech guy, and uh, he, E. Alan Wayne, I do believe the character's name is. He's usually a comedy actor. He was in Seinfeld. He was Elaine's boss at the publishing. And he was also in the iconic scene with when George worked there and he was sleeping with the cleaning woman. And uh, he, he has was a... Was that com- wrong? Was that wrong? I'm going to get right to the point. Uh, it's come to my attention that you and the cleaning woman have engaged in sexual intercourse on the desk in your office. Is that correct? Who said that? She did. Was that wrong? Should I not have done that? He comes in and he gives these, uh, what were they, dimes? To, to... Pe- oh, no, no they weren't pennies. pennies. They were nickels, maybe. Mm-hmm. He gives these... 2015. Tw- they, they, they got cancelled off in 2015, which I don't think is true uh, in the real world of where we are. Right. But this was, you know, a show that was 20 years before. But uh, he gives these uh, coins that are no longer in use to these soldiers, gives a little bit of exposition about how Aerotech came to be. And he gives these coins and he says uh, something along the lines of, uh, don't, <laughs> like, don't spend them all at once. <laughs> what are they going to buy with them, you? prick yeah you're giving them scents and they're meaningless it's an empty gesture and i think that action there says everything about the character and what aerotech is everything he's arguing Mm -hmm. about in that room everything he's doing is an empty hollow meaningless gesture and just pontificating instead of actually doing anything so when things do go awry in the peace negotiations you as a viewer, at least for myself, didn't shrug going, oh, that doesn't make sense. Why would this guy be crazy like that? Aerotech is this nefarious group. They've been seeded and planted and woven and active throughout the series. And I really like the subtleties as well as the overt things that they've done with them. There was a brilliant exchange in this where the guy was talking to his inside man on the Saratoga in the in the group in the higher ups, and they had this exchange of uh, this this chig doesn't doesn't act like the others, and it was just a a nice little piece of business to tell us that oh Aerotech have captured other chigs they've they've actually got them at some point it's always been this oh we've never been able to capture one because they die and then they go to ooze but that there just gave us oh okay they're always withholding something we i saw that when they knew the exact measurements for of the gases for the chick to take off their helmet mm-hmm. the language program program department people e- yeah. knew exactly and they can they can communicate effectively and we had that earlier episode where our Saratoga crew had captured a Chig ship and the Aerotech boys knew a lot already. They didn't know everything, but they knew a lot already, considering that they hadn't had their hands on a much at the moment. Uh, and what did you think? Just Let's just talk about the, the Aerotech 
information we get before we get to the chig, the major chig lore in terms of the chigs are f- related to us and f- quote unquote from Earth. I just want to hear from you a bit about what Aerotech's uh, relationship is in all of this and what did you think about it? Well, they provoked the chigs. They uh, sent a satellite out into space and they've started making colonies and they send a particular satellite to that sacred moon and the chicks send a message back. Which was? Garbled. Well, that's what Aerotech says. Um, Their message was, stay the fuck out of here yep. stay where you are <laughs> mm-hmm. and like the majority of those satellites i think or at least used to contain morse code mm. that's how the cheeks could already talk to us in morse code yeah well one of the fascinating things is i think the timeline is they sent this probe the satellite out first it landed on this moon the sacred moon, then the Chigs sent a message back, destroyed the satellite, and the message said, go fuck off, don't don't you come out here. And they actively, Aerotech actively, this is the argument he makes, well, we didn't, we didn't go to you. We went like millions and millions and millions of kilometers away from where this planet is, from where you are. So what's the problem? What's the freaking problem? And the Chigs... very much boil it down to well you don't deserve to be out in space it's ours yep you don't you have to stay here um, first what's home to what's your home earth what makes that your home well we come from there yes so do we in fact your home is ours you're lucky that we're letting you stay there (laughs) and so I gotta ask you realistically just because aerotech is the classic sci-fi evil company did they do anything wrong? Really? Like, did they really start the war? Like, they knew. They knew that there was aliens out there. They knew that they were told to fuck off. But does that mean that they actually provoked a war? They knew it was dangerous, and they hid that. But I don't know how culpable they are at the end of the day. They assumed that humanity would be better than anything out there and their hubris was punished unrelentingly during this war and they've made all of humanity pay for it but i totally buy it I totally agree, but I like that there is this uncertainty there because both sides in the conversation are antagonistic, are feeling have like... They have their own agenda. They have their manifest destinies in terms of everything. Yeah, the Aerotech, well, we went over there. We're surely allowed to spread ourselves across the universe. Why are you the only ones that can do that? And the Chigs are very much of, we have the right. We've been here longer. We've been active We're more. Superior. We're superior. We've been watching you since you were small and insignificant. You're weak. We look at you as uh, primitive. And yet also, we are you. 
we are from yeah. Earth. It's very complicated. It's it's a complicated dynamic, and so I really like the explanation, and I like that that aerotech withheld stuff, and yet at the same time you can kind of understand why yeah. they did mm-hmm. this. And- it's a very familiar dynamic played out here. The corporation knowing something and keeping it from the public. And not thinking it's going to be that big of a deal. We've heard so many times of uh, atrocities and incidents and accidents and events coming from the corporate mindset that, well, it's only small thing, it'll be fine, and then it's not fine. Mm. They take shortcuts, they take the easy route, and they just obfuscate and ignore, yeah. and it leads to deadly repercussions. And here they yes. are. Here they are knocking at the front door saying, I'm going to get you now. There was an unintelligible blast of radio static. You knew. All right, you claim to have sent a signal, one we can't decipher. Even if this lie is true, we settled two billion miles away. How can you lay so claim to the universe? How can you claim the Earth? It's our home. We originated there. So did we. You have been saying from a very early on time that you have this sense that the Chigs and humanity have a deeper connection. There's been many moments where you thought maybe Aerotech made the Chigs or... Mm-hmm. S- Whatever, you've had some conspiracy theories that are out there, but they've always connected back to humanity and the Chigs have something going on between one another that is more than just enemies. Yeah, because I was like, you can't have just one alien species in the whole rest of the universe that we encounter and have a, like an explanation for that of like all oh, the well no, life didn't happen once it happened twice but only twice only twice. Well, that, get it? Yeah, <laughs> like that doesn't feel like a very it, it's not a sci-fi thing to do. And if you are, you have to explain it. Yeah, um, which they do. <laughs> yes, which they do. So a part of. The Earth that got like blasted off by a comet or something Just like debris. that. Debris from Earth that had early life-forming things. Which was uh, explained in Vincent's monologue in yes, the was. previous episode. Yes. Yeah, amino acids um, and yes. early cells yep. and that blew and across the it galaxy. landed on this moon. And this moon developed methane-based life, not oxygen-dependent life. Still seems like they're carbon-based, though. Yeah, well, they have a lot of the same minerals and a lot of the same material that we do, and they wanted to find the origin point of that because there were certain things within them that didn't line up from the moon that they came from and the planet that they eventually take over and oh 
I didn't even think about until they said it, but that this moon is a sacred location for them, and that 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 it's not just a nursery, it's not just this random place. That mm. this is where they have all of their young yep. spawn from, and I really like that piece of world building where we're giving the chigs a form of uh, spirituality, we're giving mm. them a form of yeah. mysticism, and and to- they do have beliefs, they do have values and to make it that in the previous episode we just have the what we call the the nursery right the the the, where all the little babies are and it was like oh this is just a random thing happening here but that this planet is the spawning ground with those because it was the spawning ground of their entire species they could track it back to this place and i think that would hold significant meaning if Say we humans could have that exact ability to go this exact location is where we crawled out from. We would have that level of sacredness as well. Yeah. And in many places we do. Yeah. A lot of people have that about Africa. And or just Pangea as a general concept. Oh, yes, that too. And uh I haven't encountered too often in sci-fi, especially in science fiction television. This specific idea of how an alien counterpart came to be, which is mm-hmm. they're from Earth because of the the early stages of life being formed. Somehow mm. a portion of it got blown off, went into space and landed somewhere else and cultivated into mm-hmm. something else. I think that's really... It's neat. We have seen time and time and time again, whether it is Star Trek, whether it is Battlestar, whether it is Farscape, whether it is Babylon 5, the idea that humanity or other aliens spawned from one location and there was some sci-fi nonsense interference that made that happen. Like in Farscape, it's like, hey, did you know practically all the aliens you know are related to one another because uh, this one superior alien race who found peace went to Earth in its primitive stages and took a bunch of life and altered it and spread it across the galaxy? We've seen that type of idea be used a lot, like in Star Trek as well, where there's just casually a TNG episode that explains that there was one original life form, and that's why all the aliens and stuff Star Trek look humanoid? Like, they have to explain it. Here, the universe of Space Above and Beyond is smaller. Mm -hmm. It only seems like it is these two, and this is the explanation that they give. And I actually rather like that, just like we understand life to be, just like in Vanson's monologue in the previous episode, it's a random event. Uh It's just a random thing of the universe that happened. It's not some mischievous doing or some beneficial good that some other entity is making happen. There's no God in this situation. (laughs) There's no God in this situation, although Chigs have made themselves out to be gods and have been godlike to humanity in the past. At least that's the uh, inkling. Now, how do you... You have been postulating on this for 23 weeks now this is something that you've Hmm. been ping-ponging around in your brain Mm -hmm. what are the chigs what's the chigs deal yeah what's their whole entire thing Mm -hmm. so talk to us a bit about your overall journey and feelings about this being revealed i'm glad they got to do it i would have been really pissed if we didn't get any sort of resolution to some of the questions that 
the show has asked and has made us ponder about the origin of the chigs. And I like the way that it's delivered. It's a lot of information and exposition, but the way that it's delivered in that scene with such aggression uh, and uh, it's, it's beautiful to watch. And it's also heartbreaking because it's just like, where did we go wrong and what could we have done? It's like, I, we couldn't because humanity would always want to go to space. There's no way that that wouldn't happen. And it doesn't seem like the Chigs were willing to directly interact with us because they see us as so beneath them in a way. Uh, or maybe it's a little bit of like a uh, prime directive sort of thing of, oh, well, we're so far advanced, we don't want to meddle with them. I appreciate majorly that we have seen that humanity is, isn't perfect, that it's screwed up, that it has things that we still suffer from today. And in this story, we see that with Aerotech's arrogance and even the actions of our characters within the story here. But we also are shown that the Chigs also have this within them, that they aren't just any better than us because they're older and they're space traveling and it isn't exactly the case of we are the mis poor misunderstood aliens and you fucked us over so now we're at war they're petty too they're just as screwed up as well but just in a different sense i i, I really think that adds a nuance to the series overall both sides think that they're completely justified in what they're doing and what they're done and we obviously empathize with our human characters, not just because they are human, but because we've been with them and we've gotten to see their interiority, their emotions, their reflections, and the way that they are burdened with what they've had to do. However... It does flush out a motive for the enemy's sudden peace initiative. It indicates they know we'd kick their ass if we landed. We should strike now and put them away. Or it's a stall while they double back troops to Anvil. It's either one or the other. Either scenario, we go in now. Achieve peace our way. Wars are fueled by people who have some sort of agenda. And the series have yeah. shown whether it's corporations, whether it's the military complex, whether it is religious fervor, whether it is mm. uh, cultural dominance. It, it, it's, it's a rather fascinating thing to throw into this series that proclaimed itself as World War II in space. And mm -hmm. many people look at World War II at the base level as a very easy war to understand of good guys, bad guys. Yeah, And of course, the good guys did bad things, but always... The Axis, for good reasons, and but, there were good enough reasons but, but, to make it really not that bad. But of course, the Axis, the Axis was evil. All the Nazis, 
the Japanese, they did really bad things, so fuck them. And, that's and they the never did attitude. anything. Nice. Especially... They uh, never the, did anything good for their people, for our people, no. And it was that, every single thing was awful. And we've seen perpetuated over the many decades in media and in real life the American psyche about that war and how it was their great war where they're heroes. And yet this series is obviously using the Chigs as allegories too for uh, mainly the Japanese, I feel, during all of this and how they were othered and uh, dehumanized uh, by America and by other countries as well, by us as well. And it, it, it's just that thing where the Chigs... The fact that they're called Chigs, we still don't even get to know what they're really called. Did you ever expect to find that out, even? No. I never felt like they would. Like, just, there was something from another episode that the silicate said, like, I can't remember exactly what it was, but I think it was in that same scene where he's talking about, you know, they, call they, you. they hate it when you call them chigs. That isn't even their name. Like, real name. They, uh, and, like, they, and they have a slur for you, too. Yeah. And, like, Stink. I feel like there was something else in there as well, maybe. But that felt like that was the cap on that to me. I don't know why. I was just like, that That gave a sense of finality to me. I see. It gave me a sense of openness of, oh, the Chigs are aware that we call them that and they hate it. And they actually have pride of who they are. And we're besp- like we're wiping that through the mud. During the peace talks, everything goes to shit. The Chig breaks out. There's a firefight. People are choking on the gas. Uh, McQueen is trying to disarm the situation. And the Chig self-destructs. He pulls uh, something on his suit and it explodes. Everyone in the room dies except for McQueen. Now, you were very emotional during this sequence. You were very emotional to the point of being eerily quiet. (laughs) Where everything had been gasped out of you. You just had your hands over your mouth and you look like you were about to cry because it was taking its time to let you know if McQueen had made it or not. I just kept... Uh, uh, you say that I was quiet, but I did keep on... Like, I was rocking back and forth saying one thing over and over again. And what was that, Ryan? Oh, uh, I, I can't remember your exact thing because you, you had a few moments like that during this episode of, like, is he dead? I'm not okay with this. I'm not okay. And then there was a moment where you did just stop. And yes, yes, yes. <laughs> the reveal. And the reveal of him slumped against that wall, looking down at empty space where his leg should be. I mean, at least he didn't die. He could have died. McQueen never gets to be happy, huh? Nope. He doesn't get a happy, happy no, way of being. Anything, like, that's the worst ending for him because he is a lifer. He has nothing back on Earth. He would have rather died in that room than be stuck back on Earth in retirement. Like, because that's the kind of person that he is. So he gets to go home, but it's not a happy ending. What? What's back? What's What's home? He asks that to uh, uh, yeah. What, what's there? What's there? 
because Hawks is now his his sentence is up. He can go home to what? Mm. And that's McQueen to what? Yeah. What's he going to go back to? What's he got? Mm. His ex wife. That's basically it. Yeah. Now he has one less of a leg, and the audacity. And this is the benefit of this being the season and series finale. Is the writers can take these big swings, these big chances. They can disfigure and they can mutilate and they can cripple one of our main characters. And I'm sure that they had plans to explore this in the season that would have been coming after it. There's many moments where there's a finality to things, but you can also see how they could have picked things up still. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes it work as one of those we got cancelled endings because mm. not everything is a cliffhanger where you're sitting there going, what's next? There's many where you go, I would have liked to have seen that furthered. Mm. But at the same time, when McQueen loses a leg, he's wheeled off and he's going back to nothing. Yeah. You actually sit there going, that's a way to end that character, huh? Yeah. It's not a happy ending. No, but it is... It's a conclusion that feels right. It feels authentic. It feels justified. But boy, boy, what could you have done given the chance? And here's the thing. This is what they've got. They've got this episode and they just go for it. They they just put it all on the table. They set the tone by like basically taking McQueen out. McQueen is the 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 guy that grounds the morale of the 58th. In a way, his well-being gives us an understanding that things are going to be okay because he's their yeah. beacon. He's their guiding oh, yeah. principle. He's the guy that they gave him the locket because mm-hmm. he was the symbolism of all this. Yep. And so when he hands it back... Because he can no longer be that, it really does say to the audience, guess what? This is a story. Nothing safe. Nothing sacred. This is a story where we can lose. This is a story where things can be taken away. Humanity might actually just lose this war. But most importantly, the 58th are at jeopardy. Yeah, they might actually lose the battle. Which, like, I was thinking about that. Um, when, uh, when Tucker Smallwood gets, like, the best line of the show. I want the 5-8 on this rescue. Sir Admiral Stenner had confined them to shovel up the wild cards and deal them. The 58th, throughout this whole war, has found themselves in the most important missions either by accident or on purpose. And they sort of threatened that when they shelved them because of their indiscretion. I love that there was follow-through on that and that there were people who were legitimately Mm -hmm. pissed off with their actions in the previous episode. Um, And that they still ended up at the centre of everything. The most important thing happening right now is rescuing those POWs. The most important thing happening last episode was that mission on the moon. And you believe that they're the most important (laughs) in the whole fleet. 
And it's not just because we're with them all of the time, but we've really grown to believe that they are the best and that they deserve mm. the reputation that they've earned over the course of the season. And what makes this even more uh, viable for the audience is that they aren't perfect, they aren't infallible, they do fuck up, and so that they can learn and grow from that. Hence, and they've lost they get, people that they care about. Hence they get chewed out mm -hmm. at the beginning of this. They're told to sit it out because you guys screwed up last episode. Yeah, you fucked you've, up. You've made it difficult for us. Sit out on this one. And, and that there gives us so many moments of characters during this yeah. having to contemplate that peace is is something that can actually happen they they've grown cold to the idea of peace yeah, being something that you could actually achieve conversations about well what would you do if it was actually over and the way that their hope sort of erodes their when reality sets in. Yeah, like, no, not that. The, the, they are, they do get to the point where they are hopeful and they start dropping the what if and coulds, it's whens start to slip in. I really. Because they do start going, well, maybe this will actually happen. Maybe this is really the end of it because they start mulling it over and talking it over and it's just like well that like we do want this to end but what if it does end i really loved those conversations where would we have been friends in our life if it wasn't for the war would we have been able to do that and the, the answer is no no the answer is no and none the silence of, is deafening yeah, with that and none of them want to say it because they value their friendship so much and then vanson has to come in with the brutal truth and i, I want to just say what i really love about vanson's brutal truth and it, it's so her character and hawks learns this at the end of this episode he learns what it was like for Vanson to be the way she was, but they get hopeful, as you say, that maybe we could change this. Maybe peace is attainable, and maybe we can be friends without the need to be in a unit. Maybe we can keep up this connection. Maybe there's more to life than what we've been led to believe. And then Vanson has to remind them of what is her truth, what she knows to be. And in a way, on a meta level, it's the writers as well, which is she has this tale about how her father had this group and they were the tightest of people. and they The they... people that he went to boot camp with, he said that he'd never been closer to anybody in his life. And they all got sent off separate ways after boot camp and only one, one came to his funeral. And there's just that there of that's reality. Things don't work out. And also, how many of them are dead? Um, well, you get the impression that the others may have been around. But yeah, you, you, but you, you get like... that. The overall sensation, though, because this is the end. This is the end of the show. You, you can tell by the writers that they the, the writing's on the wall for them. So they're putting all these little things yeah. here. It, it's a and, finale where they knew. And this is a moment where 
our, our, our friends that we've got to know for the season are looking at one another saying, yeah. we're going to be okay, right? Yeah. And Shane's saying, probably not. Doesn't always yeah. work out. We don't get the happy the, the happy ending doesn't no. exist in the way that would be traditionally satisfying. The way that yeah. you as a human would want it. Maybe you as the viewer would yeah. want it. Where you as a viewer and... hope that maybe the war can end and we can have scenes of them back on Earth drinking and having fun and being real people with one another. No longer like they were on that like brief moment. That brief moment of R and R that they got. Colonel, what'll you do if the war's over? Well, I'll find a quiet place, alone, and ask forgiveness for the lives I've taken. Then I'll pull out the accordion, get naked, and poke her around the flight deck. Pray for war. Kylan, she came back. The POWs are being rescued. We have to go save them. Kylan's on the list. We finally get to see her. Uh, you have been very much of, I don't want to see Kylan again. Uh, I'm good. We don't need any more of that. But here she is. She physically showed up. Were you surprised? No. Once they set up the POWs, I was like, well, Kylan has to be there and he has to get to see her. But I didn't know if both of them were going to make it out alive. That was something that I was questioning. She was there when she was needed it was still a story about the 58th and it didn't revert back to being a story about West. Their mission to do a search and rescue isn't the most glamorous thing that they've ever done. It's important, but there have been other missions in this series, other missions that just exist. More strategically valuable. And more epic in scale. Mm. Oh, yes. More epic in scale and yet, the fact that this, what is considered to often be a uh, milk and cookies Grunt. type run, where Grunt it's work. it's simple traditionally, and yet this is the this is the incident that costs many of them their lives, and I I think that that choice there of making their ending one where it isn't this. Glorious epic. It's not spectacular. We're we're going to the chick home world and we're shooting up a warship and everything. It is just they're in the vacuum of space trying to help civilians and some of them die doing that. Yeah. It's It's not glorious, but at the same time, it's still heroic. Glory to war in this show. I think at points there are. Like Wang's ending has a very rah rah feel to it. It's very much a I'm getting mine and yeah. I'm going out blazing as a hero. And I have some things to say about Wang's ending. But I I just really was in awe of the fact I was sitting back in my seat and that oppressive feel that I love from Space Above and Beyond, that somber uh, sorrowful, mournful tone that this series rides was perfectly captured by the fact that they were dispensed with in something so minimal. Mundane. Mundane. Usually with a season finale, let alone a series finale, mm-hmm. it's big. Spectacular. It, it's spectacular. And yet this is it's no chiggy. Von Richthofen. No. It's, it's no sugar dirt, even. No. It, it, it's just something that we've seen a million times over, and yet war 
death, it doesn't matter. It、mm-hmm. will get you.、Mm-hmm. It doesn't pick favorites. It does, and I, I, I just, I think it's time to talk about the fifty-eight that we lose. We lose three of them. Yes. And、uh, since I've seen the series before, I'll just go over my、uh, reactions overall.、Mm. Wang going, I actually felt a lot more about it this time.、Uh, oh. Wang is a character that I've liked, but I never really got to attach to anything to you. He was the least fa- one of my lesser favorites in the group, and so on this watch, I actually felt quite a lot for him going out and the way he did, and how he got trapped in there, and he took it and he accepted it, and、mm-hmm. he went out and he tried to go out in a blaze of glory, and he did.、Mm-hmm. And I, I, yeah, I actually was rather compelled by him. I found Wang to be. A character that even on this watch, I underestimated how much I liked him, and so、Aww. when you took it away, yeah, it, it, it was something that made me upset. Yeah, and then Vanson and Danfus, they're they're shot out, and they're going to crash land on that planet, and it's left、mm-hmm. ambiguous enough where they could they could live, but also in later scenes, there's this emphasis on did we find anything. Just shakes of the heads,、yeah. like there's there's this through line of yeah, it's not looking good for them. Like, so it was a long shot. On my other watches, I just assume that they're dead. Yeah,、uh, yeah, but they do leave a, like they leave that window open a crack where it's like it could be a really long shot that they did like Demfu did. Wake up, and now like before they crashed, so that they could jettison, and they are on the planet, but they're left abandoned. Like it's like they, they give themselves just enough room with certain things, and I kept on thinking, God, this does such a better job at that than Pushing Daisies does. Where pushing daisies was a show that no got cancelled and they had to rush everything. Yeah, and they like try and leave certain things open, but they slam storylines shut all over the place. I agree with you. That's an example where it really failed, and obviously, there's the critical side where, yes. One of the outcomes when you write a sh- series like this is members have to die, so that the stakes are raised and or to、yeah. emphasize your point. Yeah, and we and- lost one of the secondary crew a couple of episodes ago, so、mm-hmm. we, we we know that they're not afraid, and you know we they established. Tried to establish that with Pags, and you have complained many times over in the in the watching of you didn't feel any of those stakes because you know our characters aren't going to die because there's going to be more episodes, and obviously that's different when this is the only、yes. episode left. So, but I understand there's that critical side of my brain that goes, well, obviously this is what you do. Obviously, yeah, this is the maneuver you clean house, and yet I don't care. <laughs> about the cynical, looking at this from the writer's trick perspective, because it feels right. Because I feel, yeah, 
Because oh, oh, I yeah, feel, feel something, something. We have many times on this podcast with Space Above and Beyond, Babylon 5, yeah. and especially Star Trek, oh, talked about when you know the tricks that they have to use as writers to manipulate you, the audience, to feel things. And manipulate the audience to feel things is one of the goals of writing a script. And yeah. the most important thing is, it's not only that it has to be successful, but I shouldn't care that you're doing it to me i should just be embracing what it is and so this is is one of those where yes this is the obvious thing you would do when you're backed in this corner and when you're at an end of a season you Mm -hmm. clean house you kill someone blah and i could cynically go yeah it doesn't affect me because it's it's obviously what you would do it's a Mm -hmm. war story that's what they always do i can say that but it's not applicable to me i felt things i felt a tremendous amount when vanson right right up close to the end was staying as the i'm your superior you have to listen to me but then the very final end with her semper fi she talks as a friend mm-hmm. and then she's gone yep and then she's gone now how did you talk to us all give us your rundown give us your feelings about the cleaning of the house of the 58th. Talk to us about each one of them and your uh, reactions and thoughts to them. I was scared because I felt like they're doing this. They're doing this. Uh, I spent a lot of it thinking that West was going to be the one, if not one of, the ones that died. Oh, died? Yeah. I thought you were going to say soul survivor. No, no. Like, because I was like, oh, well, they're subverting things, but they're also doing things. So the hero dying to rescue the woman that he loves is iconic. It is. Is very traditional. And I was like, are they going to do, are they going to do that? Um, I I got the sense that not all of them were going to make it out alive. They've they lost McQueen, so that's on the table now. They're in disgrace. They've got nothing left to lose, and they know how much this means to West as an individual, let alone to the families of everybody else that's on that carrier. Now, to talk about the actual scenes and Danfu and Vanson first. Yes. And the fact that she refuses to leave Danfu, who's unconscious in the chair next to her, she won't, she won't parachute out of there. She's got to stay there. Yeah. It's the right thing to do, even if it may end both their lives. Yeah. She won't live with leaving her behind. And the fact that she has that connection to Danfu, who she didn't always get along with. No. they, They had their barbs at one another. They're Marines and they stand by each other. They have each other's butts Mm. in hand. And 
it made a lot of sense because she wanted to be an angriest angel. That's why she signed up. Yeah. And the angriest angels burned. All together, they burned. And the McQueen left. Yeah. So the fact that she goes down fighting with her fellow wild card by her side makes so much sense. And I, like I said, I really like that that act and her final conversation with West shows that it's not just because I'm a military marine that's i care about her i'm a friend yeah we're friends Mm. i really found it upsetting that i don't know why it got to me it just it just made me kind of crit my teeth is danfus is knocked out yeah for the end of the episode she's she's not even awake And so me saying goodbye to, to this fight. character, I don't even feel like I get to say goodbye to the character the way that I do with Shane. No. Because Danfus isn't even yeah. active mm-hmm. to say goodbye to. Yep. So it's it's even more of a, a, a sadness yeah. there. And sometimes you don't get to say goodbye. And that's a very realistic thing to happen. We'll intercept. Nathan, take her home. Roger that. Semper Fi. My friend. The tone of Wang's death is very different. It is far less somber. I don't know. I think it is... It is less it is less somber but it's not less sad like the tone of it Mm. is different that's what i mean because he goes out hoorahing naming all the people they've lost and screaming and shooting i just think there's a the somberness and that classic space above and beyond thing of people accepting their fate because the door closes and he knows he knows knows. that there's no way he knows that the best shot for the mission is for him to die. And he accepts that and he does his job. He does his role so that the mission can be successful. Did you feel sad when you saw Wango? Because he's the one that overtly gets killed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no coming back from that explosion. I, I did, but I also felt, like that act would help him in his final moments forgive himself for the confession tape and that he would go out at peace with himself because he went out that way. West was our main character, still is our main character. And so for the final moments, he is our lead yet again. He's reunited with Kylan. And it's an embrace that's at the face value of it, the thing that 
we assumed he would get and what he yeah. wanted. It's the we I longed listened, for that for him, and yet with everything that's gone on since we've seen her mm-hmm. and he's within the episode, the same person. he's not the same person. And it's he's lost so much more. Like he lost her to start with, and that's what started the journey. The version that he knew of her doesn't exist, and the version of him that knew her doesn't exist no. either. They're both different. They're both yeah, no longer they're, those people. Yeah, they aren't the same because of what they've experienced, and we get zero clue as to what it was really like for her. She doesn't get a chance to say anything. She's just like, we see them and they're dirty and malnutritioned visibly. Mm. So we know that they haven't been treated well, but we do not know what experiences they've had to endure. Morgan Weiss's acting says a lot more than the script because they're seen doesn't have too much to it in terms of dialogue. And Mm. this is the benefit of having a really skilled actor and director pair together, and you can glean more than what is on the page. So when he kisses her... It's more than the sum of its parts. When he kisses her or when he listens to her play back the locket and she records a new thing... Morgan Weiser as an actor generally, and West as a character, has these very expressive eyes. Mm. He has these very sad eyes. And to me, my reading of his way of acting here is he's going through the motions of what he wanted, of what yeah. West wanted. Mm. but What he dreamt about. But it's going through the motions because it's over. When he looks at her that final time, he's looking at what his life should have been. Yeah, and could have been if this war never happened. But but that's not what it is now. He doesn't get to go back with her. He's he's not that person anymore. And you don't know whether they will salvage their relationship because he went out for her, but... But it's no longer about her. Yeah. And I think it's it's... It's subtle and marvelously played where you can get so many different readings, but I don't think that he's sad about it in the way that it's like, I'm sad that this version of me no no longer exists. It's more of an acceptance of, I am no longer that. I've kissed her. I've done the thing that I was an asshole about for the first half of the season, and I've achieved that goal, but that's not what I exist for anymore. I'm not here to just say screw it to everyone else because I need what I want. He's no longer the guy that's, oh, I'm for, I'm for pro-tank rights as long as it doesn't affect me. Yeah. He's no longer that guy. No. He's no longer the guy that would uh, ruin things for everybody else just so that he can come out on top, like when he tried yeah. to smuggle himself onto mm-hmm. the rocket and just cost everyone time and energy. He's grown. Stealing hammerhead. West was a character that you did not like. And as we've mentioned throughout, he's one that's grown. And we talked about how even you were surprised, not only that you've grown to like Space Above and Beyond as a series, as much as you did, but specifically you were surprised at how you've grown to like West. And so I just want to talk about the 
end of the arc of his character just in terms of do you think it's successful did you engage with the character along the way and uh are you happy with where he is left i think you and anybody who's listened to all of these episodes know that the answer is yes Yes, I like Wes now. Yes, they managed to dig him out of the hole that was the pilot in the first episode. Yes, I feel for him. And yes, I'm satisfied with where he ends up. He's a slow burn. And I, like with Wang, I guess, take for granted how important he is to my viewing of the series. When we end it with him and Cooper... I remember back in the pilot when we talked about it, I remember saying, oh, Cooper was one of my favourite characters because he was such a character. And yet when I'm watching the end of the series, I realise that West was more of a favourite to me than Mm. Cooper because he was not as overtly a TV character in the way that Cooper was. And Mm -hmm. I love Cooper, and Cooper has some brilliant moments of reflection in this final scene, but when we sit in the bunks with these two guys, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking to myself, wow, these are the two that made it. These are the two that made it. The ones where we started out with Cooper was the most two-dimensional, angry, hothead guy with a cool Mm sci-fi twist. And West was this absolute waste of space protagonist that you you either couldn't get a read on or if you did, it was too overt of what you were getting a read on. Oh, the (laughs) World War II foppish, romantic, Cliff Montgomery type. And yet when we leave the series, when we leave it all with these two, it just emphasized how much all of them had changed, but specifically Mm -hmm. your views on these two. And let's talk about that that final scene where West goes back to their bunks and he's looking it through. Takes a time at the door and looks at the decal, like the painting that's done on the door, because he knows that that, like, what made them the wild cards is gone. And the ironic statement that they have uh, for the 58th is they show no mercy. Yeah. And you say, well, actually. Yeah. That was their undoing, you know, in a way. Their selflessness. Yeah. And when he goes through the bunks, we get a nice look at their bunks and what yeah, pictures the, the, they hung the up and what meant the most to these people that are no yeah. longer here. No, like we've seen their displays above their bunks evolve as the show's gone on. There's less sports stuff on Wang's than when he first arrived. Although there is one where he's photoshopped himself onto a baseball field or something, and I loved that. I had a good chuckle. I feel like he was in football gear. Football gear? Whatever. Some sports attire. He he, he photoshopped himself. But yes. There was more pictures or of... Or somebody did it for him as a joke, even. There was more pictures like, of his family yeah. and of them. Yep. And, like, same with Vanson. She now has photos of them because they mean as much to her as her family back home. And then we get... Uh, West climbs in to Wang's bunk... And lies down like he does. 
And what did you think about that choice in editing where the Coop, double take the Coop, Cooper walks in and it's a like a well, half a second yeah. shot of Wang? Mm-hmm. What did you think about that? Because they never have gone that artistic in that no, way before. But it was beautiful. It was beautiful, and I like even though they didn't do it in the reverse, but there's that almost sense that like West thought he saw somebody else come through the door as well. Like it was both of them are so I stricken guess, with grief. Yeah, yeah, they're pro- both still processing what happened. And that they they don't want to let those people go just yet, and connecting to their physical space is a way for them to try and connect back with them. And West misses Wang. He lost Wang. He was responsible. He was responsible. He feels for Wang because he yeah. was with him. And Cooper was, was with Shane. Yep. He he was there with, with her on that side of things. But also he idolized her. He says that she was a mum to him. Like, I I, I know what it's like now because I have lost my mum and my dad in the same day too because he's lost McQueen and he's lost Vance. It was a great touch to add that because he has had emotional instability in his life, but he has it in a childlike way and stunted and he's had to suffer bigotry. But he respected Vincent, but he didn't understand certain aspects no, of her. He didn't and now he does. Understand the connection because he hasn't had a family. Because, he never yeah, had parents because he didn't have that, and now he's had that, and he's lost that. And we end it all with Semper Fi, and we're just now bird's eye view above them, sitting in their bunks, just cradled there and silent and. Just silence says more. The, the 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 deafening silence as we as we zoom out and then credits. We're done. That's space above and beyond. Uh and we have the usual credits happening, and we have James Wong and Glenn Morgan there, and they have uh, what was it MAF underneath, which I think most fans have determined stands for Adios Motherfuckers. So AMF. AMF, sorry. AMF. Adios Motherfuckers. Because this is the end of it. We're done. They cancelled us. They screwed us over. We're out of here. Should not have been you. Shouldn't be me. But it is. At least you'll be going home. We said at the very beginning of this, uh, how do we feel? And there was grumblings and uh, I don't want to get into it. And I've had this for decades, literal decades. You know, It's been like 20 years since I first engaged with the series. And it's the type of 
melancholy that I don't think I've ever really felt from a series that was cancelled. There's many times, and we've heard this be a a big thing lately with streaming television cancelling shows and cancelling this and erasing things and getting rid of them, making it difficult to even get your hands on it. And I would always chuckle because that was space above and beyond for my entire life. No one watched this show. It was hard to find. It was buried under the sea. You still can't get easy copies of it. It was struggling to be made. And yet, when it comes to a first season of a science fiction show, it's probably my go-to example of one that was improving in quality and adapting to its strengths within the season. Not the classic, oh, in the second or third season, we found it. No. And there was maybe one or two or a handful of good episodes in that first season. Mm. And so my bitterness has always come from that, in which this was a show that should have been nurtured and it was destroyed. And it gave me, for it's given me for a very long time that thing of art is a business. This is something that you can tell was something of passion for the people involved, but the people distributing it, the people producing it, the people making it, and the higher up end, this is this is just it had to check a box. We didn't like sci-fi. We put it under we put it on after the Sunday night football, so obviously no one's gonna watch it. It, it was just that thing of many people talk about this reaction with Firefly. This this sadness with Firefly. I never have felt that, but I've always felt it for space above and beyond. And so I pass it over to you and I want to now ask and hear the answer of how are you feeling? I'm feeling not okay with this. That's legitimately the way that I'm still feeling. We watched we watched it yesterday and I still I still don't don't know exactly how I feel because it's a mixture of so many things. I'm so glad that they got to do this good of a job with the finale. Uh, I don't want to put words too much in your mouth, but we were having a brief discussion about this before recording, But and you've even said it on this podcast, you weren't expecting to get this committed to Space Above and Beyond. No, because I always knew that the ending was in sight. I always knew that it was going to go away, so I didn't think that it could make me care this much because I care this much knowing that this is the end, knowing that this is all we get. The big difference in our abilities to watch television shows has been I have a difficult time with cancelled shows because I do get emotionally I do have emotional turmoils with watching them and because I do get wrapped up in it and then there's no ending and it's it's frustrating and you have talked about how you don't have that very much where you in fact have the opposite where I actually don't feel the need to commit to it in any deeper emotional way because it doesn't get an ending there are obviously those exceptions in your life where you go this cancelled show this cancelled show but we have 
gone over this yeah. over the years mm-hmm. in our relationship of I will most of the time flat out just not even engage with cancelled shows because I know you will they refuse will. to watch But them. then there are ones that I do watch them and I think about them kind of in a more fond way than mm. some of the shows that I do get to see end yeah. because Interesting. The, old, the classic of what could have been. Yes. What could have been. And Space Above and Beyond has so much potential. So much, so much potential. Now, do you want to hear about Wang's ending? Wang's death? Go for it. This is a episode elevated by the power of editing. The, they knew that they were done. Yes. But they had already filmed this. This is already laid yep. out. They had in their scripts some referencing to their inevitable the inevitable demise. Okay. Hence those lines like, is this a beginning or an end? And yep. little ja- jabs here and there, like that episode where McQueen mm-hmm. laid out like, why do the Marines do this? Blah. Yeah. So there is some meta stuff there. But this is an episode that the, they talked about in some interviews and I think on some commentary tracks about how it was created in editing a lot. So there was an exchange where... Commodore Ross is talking to someone and it's this back and forth of like, uh, we sent out a search party to go look to the planet to see if, uh, you know, go look at the planet. Oh, is Shane and Danfus okay? Uh, we can't tell. And then a shake of the head. And they, in editing, just chopped a lot of yeah. that. And so it gave it a grimmer tone, a, yeah. a more finality to it, even though mm. you can still see that they would have picked this up. Yes. And that is a lot of the episode. Mm-hmm. So... One of the things that has been a point of contention uh, is the actor of Wang has had some interesting comments, to say the least, about his experience okay. about his experience with the character of Wang on Space Above and Beyond. Yeah, and that he that doesn't surprise me. He in a magazine, and I haven't read the magazine, so this is just on word of mouth of Glenn Morgan and James Wong have talked about this. Uh, of he in a magazine kind of lamented and yeah. had some harsh statements about how Space Above and Beyond felt like it played into Asian stereotypes because he was upset that Paul, uh, that, 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 that Wang was a yellow belly coward, that he betrayed his friends in, that, in, the, in the season and that he felt that it played to certain ideas of Asian people. And so he was upset with that. But the other thing that was upsetting is this was not the end of Wang. They created this in editing because they realized we're over and we need some more oomph. So you can just edit this together and make it so Wang dies. And the rest of the scenes that play out don't have to be edited too much because the rest of the scenes don't really reference Wang being dead. Not in the way that they reference Shane and Danfus being missing. And so that quick second shot, that's a trick of editing, right? Where it's like, we've got a previous shot. And so this is a story yeah. where, this is a, a production where they had certain things already in mind. But mm. then once they knew for a fact, yeah. they went in and created something even more hard hitting. Mm-hmm. and. It upsets some people, specifically yeah. the actor of Wang has had some uh, tensions about this. I, I I don't know where he is at now with it, but I, I can also see that this, knowing this actor's career, 
gave him some informative views on where to take his career because he's played some really great characters. Uh, Men in the High Castle, he was in that, and he plays like a really strong, really like mm. not like Wang type character. So, and he's always talked about how for him, Wang was the dispenser of exposition. Most of the interviews, most of the things I've ever seen of him, he always talks about. Wang in a way where it wasn't like he was a character, but the guy that dispensed exposition, which he was. He yes, was that. Absolutely. But I felt like everyone was that at points. And I do think that Wang had a lot more to him. But we can talk about a lot more of that in our mm-hmm. series recap and overview next time. But what would you give the final? Yum, ep- yum. Yum, yum. On a scale of yum being bad, yum, yum being good, you give it a yum, yum? Yes. I give it a yum yum, of course. Yum yum. Thank you all so much for listening along and joining us for our space above and beyond journey. We will be back next time to talk about the series as a whole, go over some of our favorite episodes, our moments that we really enjoyed, some of our least favorite episodes and moments, the characters, some of those amazing guest stars and a plethora of things. And we can also talk about what the future could have been for Space Above and Beyond. Some of the ideas that they mm-hmm. had that we know for a fact could have been. So <sighs> we'll lay it out next time. But uh, in, until then, uh, you can follow us on the social media of your choice under... Yum Yum Pod or Yum Yum Podcast or send us an email at yumyumpod at gmail.com. And... A special thank you to our patrons who helped make this series possible because they heard it first. We have our Patreon where we release bonus content for people over there as well as a group Discord that we can chat all in. And we talked about this for the patrons first. We released it on there. And so you can hear the final, final discussion uh, on our Patreon as well as other things there's a whole slew of content over there so if you have liked, if you have liked what we've talked about uh and if you like what we're going on with you can come over to the patreon or at least give us a rating and review that would be greatly appreciated and as i've stated many many times over the real reason for doing the space above and beyond podcast discussion isn't just because i wanted to rewatch it and wanted to force you my wife to finally watch it proper this time the real reasons, the two mm. main reasons was I want more people to actively be engaging and thinking yes. about Space Above and Beyond. I think mm-hmm. that is one of the big things. And two... R.I.P. Pags. R.I.P. Pags. No, I wish. And the second other big reason is as somebody who wants more content out there of certain things, I got really frustrated really, really frustrated with the lack of space above and beyond discourse and discussion online, specifically in podcasts. Only our friends at Continuum Drag, who are great, covered these episodes. They covered them two at a time. And we have very different opinions to Continuum Drag. And everyone else either discussed it as a series overview. And I swear, nine times out of ten, none of those people had recently watched the show again. So it was like this air of, oh, uh, from my memory. And I, I, would, I was just getting annoyed at that. So 
is a, it, it pairs you together. You made what you wanted to hear. I paired together because I was getting frustrated that people weren't talking about space above and beyond in the way that it should be. And I want people to talk about space above and beyond more deeply. I want people to watch it. I want people to go over it. So if we have at least helped you say, hey, I should watch space above and beyond either for the first time or again, makes me happy enough. But you're right. Pags was the hero of the whole series. He was... Wang didn't even have to say his name. He didn't even have to say his name. I weep for Pags. God bless you, Pags. Here's to Pags.